Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, knock knock, who's there? Not us. Not us who? No, seriously, we are not here. We're on vacation, but don't worry, nobodies, we are leaving you with something very, very special. I'm Adam Felber, the man who runs this podcast with Club Med-style efficiency, guiding you from one preordained activity to the next to achieve maximally productive and coherent fun. And now, please welcome the woman who never fails to spike the rhetorical bug juice and plant zucchinis on the metaphorical volleyball court. It's Paula Poundstone! Hi, Paula, welcome! Thank you, so good to not be with you. Uh... Uh, hey, Adam, and thanks to tonight's house band, Jackson Keith from Plano, Texas, on the cello. Thank you. Thank you, Jackson. Jackson. Thank you, Jackson. Wow. So, everyone, we are on vacation this week, so what we decided to do, get this, we decided to the, leave the you The listeners all don't with care if we're on vacation. As far as they're concerned, they're listening to an episode. Yes, but uh, I thought you always liked to be honest with the listeners, so... You know, just, hey guys, uh, um, I just wanted to say something, uh, if you don't mind. Of course I want to be honest, but that doesn't include burdening people with unnecessary information. I mean, you hear commercials for pharmaceuticals all the time that warn of the possible side effect of anal leakage. And in all my okay. years of school, we must have had at least one substitute for a teacher who was out with that problem, but they never said it. Mrs. Adams uh-huh. is here today because Miss Murphy is home with anal leakage. We would never have gotten that image out of our heads. Forget phonics. Okay. In fact, if they had told us that, I, I'd be pronouncing phonics as pahonics. Okay. First of all, that's ridiculous. And secondly, it's not the same thing at all. And God damn it, Bonnie, what are you doing? Oh, can you hear that? Oh, sorry, you guys. Yes. I was just sanding the shelf. You know, I do that sometimes when I'm stressed. Um, guys, just uh, real quickly. Uh, for, for the future, Bonnie, excuse me, Tyler. For the future, Bonnie, sanding shelves and recording don't go together. Unless you're making a low-budget film about a shelf sanding monster. 
okay, yes, that goes without saying. All those sanding monster films out there. And uh, incidentally, no one is going to watch a sanding monster movie. Oh. That pronouncement from the grown man who loves Sylvester Stallone movies? You even said you liked the first Rocky. Just like real quickly, I, I, this has been very special for me and I just uh, wanted to Pardon me, say, Tyler. Uh, okay. What set it apart from the other Rocky movies is that it was watchable. But there oh. are some flaws. Adrian is clearly burdened with developmental delays until she has sex with Rocky. He, he should open a clinic. Bonnie, what the <laughs> fuck is that noise? Oh, did you hear that? Yes. Sorry, yes. I was doing the dishes. Why? We're, we're doing the podcast. Well, I thought we were waiting for Tony. I'm here. I just didn't want to say anything because everyone was stickling. Is now a good time? I just really quickly wanted to say how... No, great. Tyler, just wait. Oh, everyone sorry. wasn't stickling, Tony. If you weren't stickling too, then it wasn't everyone. I rest my case. As you guys know, this is actually going to be my last episode. And uh, Hold on a second, one. Tyler. Tony, okay. you sent Adam coffee and not me. You don't drink coffee. And how long have you been holding that against me? <laughs> Bonnie! What the fuck are you doing? Oh, could you hear that? I was just blowing yes. yeah. my hair. This is um, my last show, and I really, really just wanted to thank you all, thank everyone, and say how much this has meant to me. It's been really, really, really... Tyler, Jesus Christ, will you stop interrupting? Adam, (laughs) I think the listeners will be happy if we take a vacation. Let's leave them with a good interview from the archives. You know what, Paula? I think that's a great idea because uh, clearly if we take a week off, maybe we can reset our stickle reflexes. And we have something really great here because, um, Paula, have you been watching Jeopardy lately? No. They've had this parade of guest hosts and some are great and some aren't, but they all manage to do something which I think is both necessary and touching, which is that they all give tribute to the fact that they are merely filling the shoes um, of Alex Trebek. So we had the good fortune just uh, about a year and a half ago to talk to Alex Trebek. He was just wonderful and gracious, and I thought we could rerun that interview because it also has, right afterwards, a surprise call for our 100th caller contest. Nice. Spoiler alert, the surprise caller is Carol Burnett. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, when we come back... We will be joining uh, the wonderful, late, great Alex Trebek here on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. God damn it, Barney. (laughs) (laughs) On this day in unremarkable history, John James Audubon said, A woodpecker doesn't even have a pecker. (laughs) Thank you, house band Jackson Keith. Paula, are comedians essential workers? It turns out, Adam, that I'm not essential. (laughs) I I disagree, but there you go. After all that time bitching about self-promotion, I don't think people are going to be coming together in crowds for a long, long time. So I'm trying to figure out how to reach people, you know? So therefore, I have come up with a game show idea that I'm gonna do from my house. And the question is, am I capable 
of hosting a game show. Well, fortunately, we have with us the world's best game show host. He can tell you whether you could actually do his job. Yes, it's time for Career Corner, where we learn about the wide world of jobs. Would you like to be a fireman? How about a train engineer? Maybe you'd like to make a living as a spot welder. What can you do with your life? Career Corner has the answer. This week, let's explore a career as a game show host. Here to help Paula discover if she could cut it in the stressful, high-stakes world of hosting a game show is the man who has hosted Jeopardy since 1984, the one and only Alex Trebek. Yay! Oh, my. Hey, guys. Thank you for uh, helping break me out of my uh, confinement. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for breaking out for us, Alex. Welcome. Well, we're so glad you could be here. Thank you very much. Thanks. Alex, uh... Where are you anyways? I'm sitting at my desk in my uh, office at home. In Los Angeles? In Los Angeles, in the San Fernando Valley. Ooh. Turns out me and Alex are neighbors. Oh, really? Yes. Alex, I'm glad you're not my neighbor, because you would call the cops on me for my dog barking in the backyard right now. <laughs> I thought you were a cat person. I have two giant dogs and 12 cats. Oh, wait. Somebody has to keep the cats in line. I was just about to say 11 cats. I have a cat that is so old. Apparently, one of the things that's happened to her in her old age is she keeps trying to go into, like, anytime you open a cabinet or a door, she tries to go into, like, say, the closet or, or the cupboard that keeps the pots and pans in it. And I don't see that well. And so I keep shutting her in the door. She's been cut in half more times than a magician's assistant at this point. <laughs> Isn't it a little strange that the cat keeps trying to go into the closet instead Wouldn't of- Wouldn't you, yeah, right, yeah. Wouldn't you think that somewhere along the way she would figure out that that's not a good idea, but the cats are not great lesson learners, that's for sure. All right. That is true. Speaking of learning lessons, Alex, uh, I need to know how to be a game show host. So let me begin with this. On a regular Alex Trebek day, when you're making Jeopardy, what does your day look like? What are the tasks that you have to do? Well, I arrive at the studio at six o'clock in the morning. No. I, okay. Yeah, I go through- you harvest food for the- <laughs> No, I, uh, I go through the mail and then at 7.30, our head writer delivers the five games that we are going to be taping that day. And it takes me about an hour and a half to go over every clue and every category in those five games. And I make diacritical marks so that I don't make mistakes in uh, pronouncing words. And I familiarize myself with all of the material. Uh, I also make checks on some of the clues that I think uh, are too close uh, in. Uh, information to some of the other clues uh, uh, in those five games because the games are selected at random so we could have a, a little bit of duplication at nine o'clock we have a production meeting uh, with uh, two producers two writers and uh, myself and we uh, order the games and then i around 10 o'clock i go to the studio i get uh, hair makeup and wardrobe and at 11 o'clock, we're ready to go. And we tape three shows in a row with one audience. Then we break for 45 minutes. Then we tape the last two shows with a different audience. And by about 4 o'clock, 4.15, we're done for the day. 
So it's basically a 10 hour day. Wow. That's amazing. And, and how many days a week would you do this? That, we do uh, it I mean, two days a week. And that, uh -huh. that means two weeks of programming every time, every two days that we go out and take. Oh, wow. Okay, great. That, so you can get a little ahead of things. Well, now, it, it you have like... to keep in mind, you guys perhaps are not aware, but uh, in order to make it uh, profitable for the networks or the syndicators, this is a tradition that goes back many, many decades. They decided that yes. they were going to tape an entire week of programming in one day. And that makes it just ideal because the host comes in, he works his one day, goes home, and lounges around his pool. <laughs> Everybody wins. Everybody wins. <laughs> so far, I like the pool part. Now, okay, when you're actually taping the show, right, and you come out and you're Alex Trebek, um, is there acting involved in the way that you ask the questions? I don't think so, Paula. I think I try to read the material uh, as closely as I can to give it proper meaning uh, on our show, particularly because we are so heavily driven by information. It's important that you get the message across. You don't want to confuse the contestants. You're trying to make it as simple as possible for them to perform at their very best. So that's why I make the diacritical remarks. We have so much uh, limited space on the television screens, the monitors we use for our clues, that yeah. sometimes oh, two words that normally go together uh, are separated at the end of the line. And if you aren't careful reading it, you can confuse the contestants. And that, that's not our aim, of course. We want them to show themselves to be as smart as they possibly are. Now, have you ever had a difficult contestant? Mm, difficult in what way, Paula? Well, in any way. You mean throwing knives at me or? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, yes. no, uh, we very, by now, keep in mind, we've been on 36 years and the people know that there's a certain formality, if you will, to Jeopardy. So they abide by that. They're very polite. Uh, they can be funny, they know that. Uh, but if they're going to challenge a clue, for instance, they are instructed to uh, do their challenge during a commercial break. And oh, I we, see. And we will try to resolve it. Uh, they're not going to speak out and interrupt me reading a clue and say, hey, Alex, wait a minute. I, uh, I think my, my response was right. They're, they're not going to do that. <laughs> Yeah, so you've, you've never had anybody like flip the podium? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You've never had anybody storm off and say, I'm, you know, I don't have to put up with this shit. Then nothing like that? No, but what we have had when we were doing the uh, kids' tournament, we have had many, many tearful scenes because keep in mind when you're doing a children's tournament, these kids uh, are the pride of their parents' eyes. They, they do well in school. They're not used to having anybody say, hey, you're wrong. They're used to being lauded, and all of a sudden they get in a game on Jeopardy against two other kids who have similar backgrounds, and they lose. And they're not used to losing. They're not used to having somebody say, ooh, sorry. And yeah. so two of, two of the three contestants who walk off the stage losers uh, quite often shed a lot of tears. And it's hard. 
But you don't take that opportunity to make fun of them, do you? Oh, no, whenever. My God. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> and I don't even try to make fun of the adults who uh, appear on the program, even though some of them give me uh, many reasons or many opportunities. <laughs> Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress with my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula, you know, 
Every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There, there's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds, yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i i think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that too. Like so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quince sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway. Use our code. <laughs> now, I have to say, Alex, my my, my son, my son, for some reason, he's, he's uh, he just turned 12 and he's been watching old episodes of the sitcom Cheers. He's just in love with it. And recently, just, just a week ago, I found myself explaining to him um, on the immortal uh, Jeopardy episode of Cheers how that episode became part of the lingo of Jeopardy, as in pulling a clavin, right? Yes, and uh, it took us completely by surprise. They uh, came to me, the people at Cheers, and asked if I would do a cameo appearance. And 
we started doing readings and every reading we did they they looked at me and they said hmm trebek can handle limes so they kept <laughs> expanding it and they expanded it in that unique way in order to uh, do the cliff clavin bit and uh, it has lasted it's amazing it has lasted now for 20 years and it's incredible. Uh, what I wanted to ask you, uh, apropos of Paula's question about difficult contestants, have you, over the years, seen contestants actually pull a clavin or something close to it? And and for those listeners who don't know what it is, a clavin is when you needlessly bet away all your money and lose the game. Uh, we've had contestants lose all of their money, but I won't say that needlessly wager and lose it. Uh, they, they figured they'd <laughs> win the game. But... Uh, We've had other contestants who have taken advantage of uh, the uh, Clavin thing. Uh, a, a teenager in one of the tournaments wrote down as his final, I don't know what the response is, but I just won $75,000. So they they, <laughs> they go yeah. off script, if you will. <laughs> yes. Uh, by the way, in terms of Trebek being able to handle a script, um, Alex Trebek was uh, on the dais at an event for an organization, a charity organization called Actors and Others for Animals. And I was also on the dais and we were roasting uh, Betty White. And oh, wow. there, were many, there were many comedians up there. And then Alex Trebek's name gets called. And we're all looking at each other going, Alex Trebek? He's a game show host. Why Alex Trebek? He does Jeopardy. What indication is there that he would be funny on a roast? Well, Alex Trebek stole the show. He was the... Really? I don't know if you've heard of him, Alex, but Alex Trebek was the funniest guy <laughs> up there. Uh, do you remember that night, Alex? I do remember that. That was uh, at uh, the Universal Hilton. Yeah, and you were so funny. And I think it blew everybody away because it's not the side of you that we see uh, when you're hosting Jeopardy. All right, speaking of which, let me get back to the point. Okay. Let me, let me interrupt you just a second because uh, you bring up a very interesting point. And that is that no matter uh, who you are as the host, you have to keep in mind the game itself. That's the most important element you're dealing with. The game is the star. And you have to adapt yourself to that game. So if it's a uh, more cerebral game, such as uh, Jeopardy, say, uh, it, it does not behoove you to uh, become the stand-up comic. You're running a specific game that is designed to entertain uh, a wide range of viewers, and you should not intrude uh -huh. in, in the format. So you're saying if you're a comedian, say, who's prone to long and sometimes rambling digressions, you might want to rein that in to become a good game show host. Yes. Now, one exception, in a way, was uh, Richard Dawson, who uh, you will recall hosted Family Feud. Yes. And he used to drive the producers crazy because, as his manager once said, We've taken a lot of crap from producers over the years. Now it's our turn to dish it out. So Richard <laughs> would launch into dialogues and tell stories 
uh, instead of running the game. And at the end of the uh, taping, the producer would have a half hour show that was 42 minutes long and required excessive editing. But that was Richard's way of getting even a long time ago. Wow. You know, Alex, when I entertained the Jeopardy staff at your Christmas party, and thank you again, that was a blast, I was surprised how many people worked on the show. Did it always take that large a staff? No. When we started, I was the producer, and I think we had six writers, two contestant coordinators, one researcher, a stage manager, and myself. We couldn't have been more than 20 people. Now we're probably up to over 100. Wow. That's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. The other thing I was really surprised about was while I was entertaining your staff, I, I would you know, just sort of point to somebody and ask them a question, how I used to do when I worked on stage. And uh, I'd say, you know, so how long have you worked in the show? And they would tell me, and I'd say, did you get hired to do that particular position? Or did you, you know, what? And somewhere along the way, people began to say, no, all my life, I grew up wanting to work on a game show. And I just couldn't get over that. Like many of the people answered my questions that way. So, oh, it was my dream to work on a game show. Like, who grows up thinking that? You know, people think I want to be an actress. I, I want to. Uh, I want to be a lawyer. I, I, you know, I want to be a skydiver. Who did you grow up wanting to be a, a game show host? No, it happened by accident. Actually, I was working for the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation in Toronto, and one of my first assignments was to host a high school quiz show called Reach for the Top. Now, you may have seen that particular show uh, mimicked by Eugene Levy and the uh, SCTV guys uh, <laughs> years ago. And they... Uh, yes. And they had John... I mean, think of the cast they had. They had John Candy. They had Eugene Levy. They had uh, Julie Flaherty, uh, Catherine O'Hara, uh, Martin Short, uh, Andrea Martin. Uh, yes. They had... So many talented people who went on to uh, more success in uh, motion pictures. But those TV shows are still out there and those takeoffs. And the ones that uh, Eugene Levy did of me are, are hilarious. Uh, <laughs> and I have said this before, funnier than the Will Ferrell on Saturday Night Live. Wow. He, yeah, he, I agree with you. Keep, keep in mind, he had, he had a mustache, black mustache, black hair. And uh, <laughs> he just looked more like me. And he would, <laughs> he would be able to demonstrate frustration with the contestants uh, a lot better than Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell on Saturday Night Live uh, is very cool and doesn't get too upset. But Eugene Levy, he'd let it rip. <laughs> with, with his eyebrows alone. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it's famous eyebrows. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Jeopardy's all-time winner, Ken Jennings, said, During the whole Jeopardy experience, I felt like I was living a bit of a double life. I would be secretly flying out to L.A. to tape new shows, hoping that none of my coworkers would notice the absence and figure out what was going on. Jeopardy tries very hard to keep their secrets. Stay tuned as we uncover more secrets about how to be a master game show host. The Cat of the Week is Old Man Ollie from Holyoke, Massachusetts. 
with the legendary Alex Trebek. Paula? Well, so Alex, now you you already answered this question to some degree, which is what are the important things? Like what advice do you have for me in my online game show adventure? You did tell me one thing already, which is that it's about the game itself. Yeah, it's about the game and the contestants. Uh, advice for you as host of the program? Yeah. Be, be yourself, be natural. Don't try to upstage the contestants because that will alienate the audience. Oh. You don't want to tick off your audience. <laughs> the audience wants to look at you as the friend of the players because they imagine themselves in the position of contestant. Interesting. Yes. They relate to the contestants. So they say, geez, you know what? There's a waiter up there. And he's doing well, and I'm a waiter. Damn, I, I could probably do well if I were there. Oh, wait a minute. Why is Paula picking on him? Uh-huh. I don't like Paula. So, <laughs> so that's one of the things you have to guard against. You also have to be a little bit of a traffic cop in that there's a certain time limit for each segment of the program, and you have to get that segment done within that time limit. So oh as I said earlier, it's not a time for doing a lot of ad-libbing. Occasionally it might, if the game is playing very quickly and your stage manager comes to you and says, hey, we're, uh, we're a minute under, we're, we're good if you want to say something, then you can do a little number or whatever. Uh -huh. uh, so that's very important. Uh, you, you're a producer or a director, if you will, on the floor. And you're the director's best friend out there because uh, if you get along well and understand each other, uh, there would be no problem. You you get a feel for how the game is going. You know where to put stress. You know where to heighten suspense. Uh, you know where to encourage a contestant who may not be doing particularly well. And uh, conversely, you know how to put controls on a contestant who is not only doing well, but perhaps lording it over the opponent. So there are many ways. There are many ways in which you can exert your influence. But the trick is always, always, always be on the side of the players. I love that. What great advice! That is great advice. Hey, Alex, I'm sure you've heard this because I've heard it, which is that um, Mel Brooks and uh, Carl Reiner. Yes. Used to get together in the evenings and they would eat their dinner on a TV tray and watch Jeopardy together. You've heard that, right? I was there at uh, Mel's house. He and uh, Carl were recording clues for us and they told us that's the way they spend their evenings. So I have no reason to uh, disbelieve them. Now that's got to be the highest praise that any performer could have, I think. Well, Hey, we love fans, and if they are famous fans whose work we admire and have admired for years, it makes it uh, even more special for us. Oh, yeah, that's such a great thing. Um, oh, I have one other question for you. Uh, do I need a sidekick? Hey! No, you do not. <laughs> what? <laughs> 
Pat Sajak has Vanna. You, uh-huh. you have Adam. Yeah. Sure. I have Johnny Gilbert behind the scenes. So it, uh, you don't need a sidekick. Uh, some games, it helps. Uh, when I was doing high rollers many, many years ago, my sidekick was uh, Ruta Lee. And then after her, Elaine Stewart, because they were rolling the dice while I was explaining the rules and running the game. And it worked out beautifully. It was a great relationship. And Ruta and I have remained friends now for about uh, 40 years. And uh, uh, But it's not always required. Uh, have you ever felt a little jealous that Pat Sajak has someone to, to turn the letters? Uh, no, on our show, there, there really is no place for a co-host. Uh, I read the clues. What, <laughs> what's the co-host? <laughs> what else is there? Yeah. What's the yeah. co-host going to do? Point to the clue I'm reading? Or, or just kind of go, good one, Alec. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they could just be supportive. <laughs> now, if I can go back to uh, a few moments ago when you were talking about Mel Brooks and uh, Carl Reiner. Sure. And saying uh, how nice it is when people like that uh, are fans of the show. Uh, when I started hosting Jeopardy and the show suddenly became popular, I would get invited to a lot of events, a lot of celebrity golf matches. And one of my big thrills was being invited to the Frank Sinatra Classic in uh, Palm Springs and meeting Frank and finding out that he was a regular wow. fan of the show. Oh, nice. And in fact, he, cool. he sent me a letter uh, thanking me for, uh, he says, you guys made me a star. Yeah, right. We made him a star. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was, he was my musical hero and my showbiz hero. And to find out that he watched on a regular basis uh, was uh, extremely pleasing to me. Uh, Alex, wh- why does Johnny Gilbert always mispronounce your name? <laughs> uh, well, he, it, I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> I had a younger sister who died a few years back, and she did not pronounce Trebek the way I pronounce Trebek. So I've gotten used to it. There are the, I, I don't mind slight variations in the pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> You've never mentioned it to him. So, no. so, so you never, you never <laughs> took Johnny aside and put your arm over his shoulder and said it's Trebek. No, I've never done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Johnny and I have been together now thirty-six years. Never a spat. Never a uh, nasty word between us. Oh, that's so nice. I and I guess I guess after the first decade or so, telling him would become awkward. Yeah. I guess. It's like when you have the social acquaintance and you don't know their name. Oh, I hate and that. Exactly. After a certain amount of time, it would now be more awkward to, to ask them their name. Yeah. That happened with me and my dad. You know, I would recognize <laughs> I would I would recognize him in the hallway of the house. Uh, but I was just like, I know him. I know him. And I just couldn't, you know, just too late. Uh, yeah. Now, then it would be embarrassing. Exactly. Yeah, I get it. Uh, Alex, what other game show would you like to host? If I had had my druthers, I would have loved to have hosted Hollywood Squares. Because oh. 
to me, that was the ideal job. First of all, the host is seated. I have spent uh, many, many <laughs> standing on a stage. And I, I loved it when I got an opportunity to sit. Hollywood Squares was my ideal because as the host, you asked a celebrity a question and the response would almost always make you laugh. Yeah. And the game itself was very simple, tic-tac-toe. And who could not like that? Uh, one of my really good friends is Peter Marshall. And we talk about those days together. And uh, it was the ideal job for him. And uh, because he was so pleasant, so endearing, and yes. so friendly with the contestants. And he knew how to play off of the celebrities. Yeah. Who makes the best contestant? Yeah, that's a good question, because we've talked about how Paula could become a good host, but who's the ideal game show contestant? Somebody smart. (laughs) (laughs) No, what what we've discovered over the years is that uh, teachers, lawyers, and students make the best contestants. And the reason for that, we discovered, was that... um, they're used to confrontational situations in classrooms. Think of lawyers. They're in a courtroom. They have to rebut. They have to make arguments. So they're used to thinking on their feet. And that helps you a lot as a contestant. And the same is true for teachers and students. Teachers are trying to nail the students. Students are trying to one-up the teachers. But in, in general, if you have the knowledge, and it, there are people, as we've discovered, certainly this year with uh, James Holzhauer, who is a professional gambler, Austin Rogers, who's a bartender, uh, Dizzy, who uh, was in the recording business. They all knew a ton of stuff and they were able to express themselves easily and be comfortable in the setting. That's so important for contestants. If you're going to succeed, you need to be someone who can deal with the pressure of the moment, because keep Mm -hmm. in mind, there are two other individuals here who want to beat your brains in. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, Paula, let me ask you this. You're thinking of a career as a, as a game show host. Yes. Kind of show would you like to host? Which kind of program would you feel most comfortable hosting? A wheel of fortune type show? Is it a gong show? Is it a jeopardy type program? Is it a uh, to tell the truth type show? Well, I'm limited by the fact that I'm going to do this show from my living room on a right. on a Zoom type of format because we can't gather in in groups, and so I'm going to use you know what the world of technology has to offer. I'm going to be in my in my living room. I'll, I'll tell you one. It's going to be a, a question and answer kind of a show with two contestants that are answering questions about one another. Um, One element of the show, you know, I do have 12 cats and each contestant at the beginning of the show will pick a cat. And if their cat happens to walk in front of the camera while we're taping, they get an additional point. (laughs) And if their cat throws up anywhere in my house while we're taping, they just plain lose. I see. Well, that sounds that sounds great. So, Paula, it's, it sounds like it's sort of like if they have to answer questions about each other, it's sort of like a newlywed game for people who are neither married nor indeed have met. 
Um, no, they will have met, but not for married people. Oh, okay. Um, but but they will have met. Okay. I, and I think it'll borrow a little bit from Jeopardy in that um, there will be it, questions about really informational things. Um, oh, I see. As well oh. as as questions about the the persons themselves. But uh, yeah, it's going to be done from from my living room. In fact, Alex, um, if as soon as the stay at home order is finished with, and I don't know when that will be, you are welcome to uh, come host my my game <laughs> from my living room, and I will gladly be your sidekick. Yeah, I'm thinking though that. Uh, Instead of having it as a situation in which you are the host and you have two contestants, how would it be if you had just one contestant and you mentioned that you would be asking questions and expecting answers? That's good. So you could do that with one contestant. And maybe instead of a game show, you could call it an interview. <laughs> Well, there are, there are interviewing aspects of being the sure. host, are there not? There absolutely are, yes, indeed. And that's one of the things that sets a lot of the people apart. But again, it depends on the kind of show you're doing. I can't get away with it too, too much on, on Jeopardy, but uh, Pat Sajak can do it on wheel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you know, maybe you could get a big wheel sometime. I had a big wheel. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. Yeah. I can't thank you enough, Alex, for your help and your advice and for being a part of our, our goofy little podcast. Well, you're welcome, Paula. And uh, I think if I think of you as a game show host, uh, I think you would be sensational given the right format. And that's so important. And it's so important to the success of a program. Uh, you can be the best game show host on earth, but if the program isn't very good, you won't succeed. But if you get the right combination of host and show, Peter Marshall, Hollywood Squares, mm -hmm. Pat Sajak and Wheel of Fortune, Bob Barker, Price is Right, uh, Richard Dawson, Family Feud, Alex Trebek, hopefully, uh, What's that show I host? <laughs> and, pa and Paula Poundstone with What's That Cat Doing Here? You got it. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, thanks, Alex, for giving Paula the clue she needs to figure out if she could control the board and become a game show host. Paula, what have you learned about becoming a good game show host? And could you do that job? Hey, Jackson, Keith, if I could get a little background music, I'll tell you what my takeaways are. Perfect. I have to say, Alex Trebek was very encouraging and supportive about the idea of me hosting a game show over the internet. And I'm gonna do it. Still, some of what he said did give me pause. He mentioned, for example, writers, contestant coordinators, and researchers. We're on a stay-at-home order, and I have no money. It's me, 12 cats, two big dogs, and a dictionary that's missing half the A pages. That's my research staff. Although I do have a book about composting called Let It Rot. <laughs> he said it's, it's important to keep in mind the game itself. I don't know if he understands my memory problems, which have been exacerbated by the stress of this crisis. 
I can't keep anything in mind. I'm sure to stop mid-quiz question and say, what were we doing? <laughs> he said the Jeopardy contestants abide by a certain formality. Well, I don't think mine will. I get guys like Paul, who bitches that he thinks the French Trump press conference could only be funny once, but he listened to all four episodes. <laughs> and Alex says, I'm supposed to be on the side of the contestants. Well, what if Paul is a contestant? I'm not supposed to say, please welcome our first contestant, Paul, who left his negative French Trump comment on the comment section for the video about the little Tofurky man? I don't think I cannot say that. <laughs> Alex, thank you so much for being on our show. Uh, you know, one day, Paula, you will be essential again, but one man we know is essential is the host of Jeopardy, Alex Trebek. And Alex, thank you so much. We'll be back with more Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone after this. back. Thank you, house band Jackson Keith. Oh, there's a phone call. Adam, answer the phone. Oh, really? Yes, please. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, hello? Oh, am I the 100th caller? Uh, no, no. Uh, you're the you're the 68th caller on, on the show. Uh, who is this, please? Oh, hi. Oh, it's Carol. Carol Burnett. It is not. <laughs> Uh, what? <laughs> what? Come on. That's not true. It's, it's impossible. Is this really Carol Burnett? Oh my. It's not really. Oh. Who is everybody? No, come on. Uh, Carol. What? Carol, um, what? Are, you, are you aware that you can win any appliance from Roger Federer's appliance store? As well as you can hang out with Adam after the game if you're the hundredth caller. What do I have to do? You have to be the hundredth well, caller. Should... Well, you know what? <laughs> I'll call back when I can be the one hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be number sixty-eight. I want to be one hundred. Uh, okay. Sixty-eight is good though. Maybe we can get you like a tennis ball or something from Roger Federer's. All right. Okay. You How know? are you fixed for toilet paper? <laughs> <laughs> We're all right. Well, maybe we could win that. What do you think, huh? That's a good idea, actually. That's a really good idea. Well, you know, maybe once we exhaust the 100 calls, which I know Adam is really happy about having this contest. Oh, yes. I love it. Did you know that Roger Federer, the tennis star, has an appliance store? No. Yeah, he does. Carol, you're getting you're getting sucked into Paula's web of lies. <laughs> oh, that's all right. That's all right. I'm used to lying. I watch the news. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Good point. <laughs> well, it depends. It depends which news. Now, how are you? How are you and yours holding up during the? Uh, have you taken to eating marshmallows uh, during the? <laughs> No. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> We're doing okay. I've got my, my husband and I are here, and um, we have a, our kitty cat. And uh, it's one day goes into the next day and the next, but we're 
staying somewhat sane uh, by uh, doing crossword puzzles and watching good old movies. Excellent. What was the most recent old movie that you watched? Oh, my gosh. Well, we watched uh, Singing in the Rain, which I know by heart, but I love it. Singing in the Rain, The Music Man, Some oh, Like It Hot, uh, oh. To Catch a Thief, Gaslight, All About Eve, all those good old ones, you know? Those oh, are man. great. Singing in the Rain is my wife's favorite movie. I uh, rented a theater for uh, a big birthday for her. Singing in the Rain. Oh, gosh. Every number is a showstopper. It's Absolutely. Oh, it's just wonderful yeah. to watch. Yeah, I, I love it. The, sh the, sh the show kept stopping. What? <laughs> no, a, a show a kept stopping. A metaphorical showstopper, Paula. <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought, boy, the concession stand must have been going crazy on when that was in the theater. Did you see it in the theater, Carol? Yes, I'm that old. <laughs> uh, Debbie Reynolds was, uh, uh, you know, she was in it, and she was, I think, 19 or 20 yeah. years old when she made that movie, and she was a year older than I am, and so oh, wow. uh, I was 18, and so I saw the movie in the theater, but then we have it here, and it's just like a, a, a ritual. I watch it every year, and it holds up so great. It's, it's wonderful. I recommend it to anybody who, who can get it, you know. And, of course, It's a Wonderful Life with Jimmy oh, Stewart. Oh, yeah. 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 That was I, Jimmy yeah. Stewart's favorite movie, and it was Frank Capra's favorite movie wow. that they made. Yeah, yeah, It's a Wonderful Life. And it bombed when it first came out. Really? Yep, yep. And then what happened was it became a cult classic every Christmas. And so then it just, you know, and it caught on. But when it first came out, it didn't do well at all. That's no, I, I know that. <laughs> so I'm a movie guy, forgive me. Well, I have a fantastic piece of Singing in the Rain trivia that my wife tells me almost on an annual basis when we watch the movie with our kids, which yeah. is while filming the iconic Singing in the Rain number, Out in the yes. Rain, uh, Gene Kelly had an 103 fever. Yes, yes. Oh, you knew that? Wow. Of course you did. Yeah, I met him years ago, and we talked about that. I was at some function... That he where he was, and I said that was just the greatest number. And he said that he was so sick when they were doing it, but he had to do it because it was all set up with the, the you know the rain and the this and the that and uh, right, yeah. And uh, so maybe that's why his eyes are kind of shiny. <laughs> wow! And then of course Donald O'Connor doing make him laugh. Ah. I mean, he knocked himself out for that one. And then when it was finished, he had to take two weeks off to rest up. Oh, really? Do you know why? Because he had a 104-degree temperature, and uh, <laughs> he was very— This is uh, this is little-known trivia, Carol, that they might not have told you, but um, Donald O'Connor was very jealous of, uh, 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 of Gene Kelly. And so he purposely got himself a higher fever— <laughs> oh, yes. God, yeah. they were so good together, though. Oh my God, he was he was so jealous of of Gene Kelly that, like, after they finished shooting the "Singing in the Rain" number, Donald O'Connor went out there to the street set and licked every lamppost that that Gene Kelly had touched. <laughs> I heard that. Yeah, just trying. <laughs> that's 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 a rumor that might be true. 
Yeah, I'm sure just, it is. Yeah, just trying to get the fever. <laughs> and then, oh, of yeah. course, the, the wonderful Jean Hagen, who was the villainess in the movie, was so funny. My, she's my favorite in the whole thing. I, she's Absolutely. like the unsung hero of the film. Oh, she Absolutely. was so funny. When yeah. she was doing, I can't stand him. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when Robert Mueller wouldn't testify and wouldn't testify and wouldn't testify? Yes. I was almost certain that when he finally went to testify, he was going to say, I can't stand it. I thought for sure. <laughs> oh, you thought he was just ashamed of his voice. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like you know. he was going to sit down and go, and here's my report. Yeah, he was going to go, <laughs> he did it. He colluded with the Russians. Oh, if only. <laughs> yeah, if only, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. He colluded. He totally colluded. Now Noted. I'm a little more Mickey Mouse. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah you no, you she... drifted. Well, Carol, I got to say, I, I, with all due respect to Tom Hanks, I have to say, Carol, I hope you are the hundredth caller eventually in this contest because um, oh. what else does the hundredth caller win, Paula? Uh, they, they win any appliance they want from Roger Federer's appliance store and they get to hang out with Adam after the game. So I'm into that. <laughs> Keep calling That's back. That's incentive enough. That's, that makes me really want to do it. All right, you guys, I have to ask my coworkers, did you guys know that it was Carol Burnett before she said it was Carol Burnett? No. no. Paula, how are we supposed to guess such things? I'm so speechless. <laughs> I'm crying. Are you crying, Tony? I am. I am crying. I, Tony, how I'm just high amazed is your that fever? Bonnie is speechless. I'm completely blown away. <laughs> just to hear oh. her voice, I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, well, that's not quite speechless anymore. Wow. I've never <laughs> we been love speechless. you, Carol Burnett. Well, Carol, I want to thank you so, so much for doing this. And uh, Well, you know, I, I took time out of my busy schedule during the pandemic, so... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I had so many other things to do. I um, well, well, actually. Well, I'm, gl I'm glad that you put those all on the back burner for us. That's really flattering. <laughs> well, thank you, and I, I hope you know the next time I call, it'll be number one hundred. And I just, I guess, I think I would like a blender. A blender. Oh, all right. Yeah, a blender. Wow. So just put they that are... down. Yeah, <laughs> then I'll call in when, it, when it's one hundred. <laughs> Carol, they're damaged oh. appliances, so it's a blender that will mix some things, but not all. Oh, well, no, then I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll think of something else. All right. We're getting you a damaged blender. That's all there is to it. I'll buy you a new blender, Carol. <laughs> I'll accept it. Well, everybody stay safe, okay? You too. You too, and thank you so much for calling in. Oh, well, yeah, I love talking to you. Thank you. Be good, stay safe, and sane, okay? You too. Uh, you too. Thank you so much, Carol. Love Bye. you. I'm pulling my ear for you. Aww. <laughs> oh. Bye-bye. Okay. Oh. Love you too. Bye. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. That, that, you know, that still amazes me to this day that you got us Carol. And you know what? It still amazes me. I, 
I'm still not certain. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was fun. Hey, nobodies, if you have questions or comments or uh, anything like that, just uh, send that to us at nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone at gmail.com. And Paula, you know, even though we're on vacation, the Poundstone machine keeps churning. Do you have any uh, upcoming dates to plug? On September 11th, I'm going to be in Buffalo, New York at Asbury Hall. On September 25th, I'll be in Englewood, New Jersey at the Bergen Performing Arts Center. And on September 26th, I'll be in the great city of Charlottesville, Virginia at the Paramount Theater. Wow. That's some pretty exciting stuff. And remember, everybody, pre-order Adam Felber's new book with Charles Band, Confessions of a Puppet Master, on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or, or wherever you pre-order your fine literature. Also, subscribe to this podcast. It's free. You'll get it every week at no charge and no obligations. That's our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Thanks to our house band, Jackson Keith. Yay! Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, Tony Anita Hull, and Tyler Burke. Thank you so much for being part, once again, of the Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone family. Yeah, Tyler. Wait a minute. Thank you, guys. It's really, truly been a pleasure. It's Tyler. Uh, Yeah, I wish we had time for your goodbye speech, Tyler. (laughs) (laughs) This is the first I've heard of this. Our intern is Carly Patrone. Starbucks production by Land Romo and Kyle McGraw. Transcription services for the show provided by TranscribeMe, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Adam? Yeah. Uh, You said Starbucks. Did I really? I, did. Yeah. I heard that too. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Well, let me go. Let's Boy, go they back. are really branching out. At first, it was coffee. Then it was some music production, the occasional scone, and now podcasts. Sure, we were not locked into that. I mean, everybody knows we're produced by Starburns. I mean, this counts as credits if I'm saying it during the fade out, right? Yeah, I think so. Starburns. <laughs> yeah. Were you were you doing like a little side plug for Starbucks, hoping to maybe get your own? <laughs> Yeah, I get I get a free mochaccino every time I do that. Um, you know what I wish though, Paula? What's that? I wish Tyler had spoken up and told us this was his last episode. I know. Why would he hide <laughs> that from us? I don't, you know, I don't know. After it's everything we've done for him, I remember when I first found him on my doorstep on a little basket, and I said, you know, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's, there's. They're so cute when they're just out of college. Yeah. Um, You shall be the prince of our podcast. And I brought him in, (laughs) and uh, and he he suckled from a bottle. He suckled from a bottle. Yeah. And uh, I I fed him a little bit with an eyedropper, and I kept him Mm -hmm. in, well, it wasn't a cage, but it was a a crib uh, for a period of time. And how does he repay us? How does he repay us? He leaves without, without... Yeah, it's just a giant fuck you is what yeah, it is. Not a word. Not a word from the guy. Yeah, and we gave him plenty of opportunity to, you know, I tire oh, you, have we? the floor. And I kept waiting for him to say something yeah. about leaving. Guy's an asshole. Just an asshole. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Well, bye, everyone. <laughs> Stop it. A podcast. <clears throat> A podcast network.